0: Last time on the Artificer's Portal.
1: So you got a real live publisher to come on the show? Like somebody who makes money selling books at Barnes & Noble and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, well, and not just any publisher. I got uh, Wolfgang Bauer, who's the CEO of Cobalt Press.
2: Problem I'm trying to solve as a game designer is I just want to look up this one monster and I can't remember which Tome of Beasts it was in. (laughs) Help me find it.
1: (laughs) I am less inspired when I go to a tool set and type in undead and get only undeads that's that are on that platform. But when I can pick up a book and then just kind of thumb through it and then maybe dream up something new uh, and be inspired and make something that isn't undead, undead now, and I wouldn't have done that with a tool. Books are not
0: the same thing as content.
2: Oh, no. By no means.
0: And I wonder if books are meant for reading in a linear fashion, and another tool is meant for consuming content in a different way.
1: We were talking about trust, right? And when Wolfgang puts out a book and it's at the bookstore and I pick it up and it doesn't fall apart after six months of use, there's a trust factor there. But if all of a sudden something disappeared off my website and I feel like somebody's tinkering with my mind and trying to figure out how to squeeze, that becomes a trust problem really quickly
2: counter argument for it is what happened in the fiction book market where every fiction book publisher panicked when ebooks came along and thought mm. like they were going to be 90 percent of the market and they're not
1: they're like 60 <laughs> percent of the market or whatever i don't know what the numbers actually are hey Wolfking, let me ask you a question do you still have a rand mcnally map in your car
2: i don't and i kept one for a long time but i was ready to abandon it at some point And I feel like I should be ready to abandon paper in in RPGs, right? Like it should be easy. And I found it surprisingly hard while I lean on digital tools more all the time.
1: Nothing is more reliable than a book unless your house is on fire, right? It's literally nothing more reliable than being able to reach up, grab the book. You can take it to the bathroom. You can bring it to the couch. You can bring it outside while you sit out there on your back porch. So as long as I'm referencing something, I trust the people doing it, and it's reliable. Could those three things be the Ragnarok for published books? And
0: now for part 2
1: In a world. Uh, wait, wrong mm-hmm. script. Oh, yes, okay. Welcome to the Artificer's Portal, a place where our hosts, Andrew and Pat, talk with folks around the globe that make digital oh. solutions to tabletop role-playing game problems. So jump in, buckle up, and hang on as we dive headfirst into the Artificer's Portal. Uh, the Artificer's Portal. The Artificers. Uh,
2: the uh, the Artificers Portal. So, come on in and uh, have a seat. Okay, thanks,
0: All right, I'm now recording. I am two. All right, three, two,
1: one. Snap. Snap. (laughs) (laughs) That works okay. Hi, I'm Pat. And I'm Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Uh, Last week, we talked to Wolfgang Bauer. And for any of you who didn't listen to last week's... It also wasn't last week's. That's right. It was two weeks ago. Yeah. But when you do all this plane shifting and portal hopping... (laughs) It gets confusing. So if you didn't listen to the podcast with Wolfgang two weeks ago, stop. Go back to your podcatcher app and listen to that one first. It'll give you such better context of what we're going to talk about next. So what were we going to talk about next, Andrew? Do you remember?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think you had said something about, is there a Ragnarok for books in tabletop role-playing games or something like that? Uh, and we were in the middle of having an argument, Wolfgang and I, just real fisticuffs of, around whether books are uh, an essential piece of tabletop role-playing game space or not.
1: And you think you can win an argument against the Cobalt in Chief of Cobalt Press. <laughs> it's a pretty tall order.
0: <laughs> uh, well, maybe not. Um Maybe not. I don't know. I guess that's sort of to be determined. And ultimately, maybe it's of a you decide for yourself.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the <laughs> best way to do it. You decide for yourself if the Ragnarok for paper-published books is coming. Will the wolf swallow the moon? I think that's how it goes in Ragnarok. Isn't that what happens? I think so. Well, then without further ado, let's fire up those kyber crystals and... and get this thing going and head back to seattle was it yeah seattle or washington somewhere somewhere over there in the pacific northwest i think he keeps the location of his uh, workshop secret probably it's probably in the pines somewhere because there's lots of pines up there
0: yeah yeah it's a workshop in the pines i think is what he calls it wonderful all right fire it up
1: let's go So you two have been talking back and forth and arguing with each other just a little bit. And a thought I had was we had this discussion about trust, right? And then Andrew Mm -hmm. dropped the bomb and said, internet people aren't very trustworthy because they do this. Um, And then, Wolfgang, you mentioned another word called reliability. Nothing is more reliable than a book unless your house is on fire. It's literally nothing more reliable than being able to reach up, grab the book. You can take it to the bathroom. You can bring it to the couch. You can bring it outside while you sit out there on your back porch. All the things. And then, Andrew, you said... Well, fiction's not really a good model for that. And then I thought to myself, how many times have I read Lord of the Rings and went back and forth between that freaking map over and over again to know where the party was and or where Weatherstop is or the Prancing Pony is. And But that's reference, right? So as long as I'm referencing something, I trust the people doing it and it's reliable. Could those three things be the Ragnarok for published books?
0: I want to make two concessions too. I mean if, if we are arguing which this sounds like the uh, most mundane argument that I've ever heard if we are I would like I would love to make two concessions for the other side and that is content will always be king D&D TTRPG space is built off of content and there will always be a place for creative storytelling even written words but the solution of putting those into a book packaging them all up, tying it with a bow and then shipping it out that's the part that I I question but there is no doubt in my mind that forever content will be king for TTRPGs and there will always be a place for creators of content the other thing too I wanted to also make a concession for is nostalgia is a thing TTRPGs are built off of nostalgia even today after so many years, it is nostalgia that drives this industry forward, but nostalgia changes as new people are introduced. What one person finds as a beautiful experience that they want to relive and reimagine again and again and again, it is completely different for another person. Mm-hmm. As the the wheel of time turns, so does the things that we do to provide that content to people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there are many ways to tell a story. Books are a really old technology that's well understood, but it's by no means perfect. The new technologies are exciting. There are new possibilities. I mean, the concession I'll make, speaking as someone who grew up in the paper age, is I love the new tools. They let me do stuff faster and easier. Mm. And and there are times when I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm opening a tab in my browser and boom, there's the answer. And, and that's... When I think about how hard it was to fact check and rules check stuff in the paper era as an editor, good Lord, I'd never go back. Just never would. Like putting out Dungeon Magazine, it's like, oh, I got to look up the stats for every monster. Okay, well, I've got three monster manuals and some binders, and then I've got a whole bunch of other stuff, and that's new. And you wind up with all this paper spread across your desk. Now I have all these browser tabs open to accomplish the same thing with less stress and less aggravation, and it's glorious. You still got to do the work of checking and editing and correcting text, but it's not. I'm dragging my bookshelf down in the morning and putting it back up in the evening like a set of dusty old (laughs) encyclopedias, rules encyclopedias, really. Not needed. That
0: is super interesting and something I've not considered before. And that is using the digital tools and referencing the digital content Mm -hmm. in order to be able to create more content oh yeah it is easier for me to understand okay well how did this person do this thing and how did this person do this thing and what can i do that's different or maybe improves upon or changes it slightly or that to me is a, a really interesting use case of collaborating in this sort of zeitgeist of tabletop rpgs
2: the tabletop space has always been collaborative that way Every designer, every editor builds on somebody who came before, and it's easier now. So much easier.
1: So Wolfgang, when you wrote your latest Midgard book, did all of your content writers go and look at PDFs, or did they open up books?
2: Um, You know, it varies, actually, by the writer. Most of them are either looking at PDFs. Some of them are looking at various online sites and compendia, right, where there's either open gaming license content or official content depends on what they're looking at and what we're writing it is surprisingly still a mix i try to send reference copies to writers right like hey you're writing this thing in the midgard setting here's three things that you need for it and i will usually send a pdf copy from the cobalt store drive through somewhere and some of them will say hey i'm good I've got an electronic form. And occasionally they'll say, you know, it's like the third time I've written a Midgard thing. Could you just send me the whole book, right? Could you send me a hardcover? And I think what's going on, I I should ask at the next convention, I think what's going on there is when they are working on a manuscript and trying to do things kind of effectively and just like, I want my lookups to be easy. They're working to build the new text in parallel with looking at digital sources but when they're just becoming familiar with a setting or prior work or stories or just booting around for fun they sometimes shift to paper and it may be that it's the age of the designer or the person doing it or it may be they don't want to take their laptop into bed and browse on that i don't know
0: here's a follow-up question in the in this court of ttrpgs (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> when you are writing a book, cause I, I've, I've only tried to write one book um, and I, I don't even know if I'm doing it very well. But when uh, you, somebody that has done it a lot and, and, and worked with a lot of people that do, do you write in a linear fashion that book or do you write in a decompiled way mm-hmm. and then try to compile it back together?
2: There are two schools of thought on this among fiction writers and game writers are pantsers and plotters. And pantsers go by the seat of their pants. <laughs> And they just kind of, ah, I'm just doing this thing, and maybe I've got a loose outline, but I'm writing what I want to write, and I'll get back to the other stuff later. And it's very loosey-goosey and wild and creative, and there's a lot of energy and flow, and it feels great, and you're just putting stuff on the page, and you'll fix it later. And pantsers don't know where they're going to wind up at the end, like which is the most important chapter, or does this NPC show up later, or you know how does this adventure really resolve? Plotters have an outline from the word go with heading one, heading two, heading three bullet points, sidebar. It's like, okay, I've outlined the whole thing before I've touched any of the writing. And then it's just sort of, I'm going through and I'm excited about all these things and I'm writing the first thing and I'm writing the second thing. Mm. The reality is most people's process is somewhere in between those two extremes of pure color by numbers and and pure wild invention. For me, Book of M Tides, the, the plane of shadow supplement that I uh, wrote with Celeste Conowich recently it's coming out in oh, August.
0: You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Maybe not first, but.
2: Yes, it, it's pretty great. I I love the plane of shadows I have for years, but I had an outline and I wrote it out of order because the parts that were most important to me were things like what are the kingdoms and the NPCs? And I didn't really understand the origin story of where does the plane come from and why is it special and what what, what makes this campaign setting gel? Why are adventures here so cool? Until the very end, and my editor was like, I would like to start editing on chapter one first. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, Scott, it's not written yet. Here's all the other chapters. <laughs> so, yeah, sequence.
0: In the book that I'm writing, I started, I think, as a plotter. I started with an outline that was from top to bottom, and it was about 20 lines long mm-hmm. of like what I wanted the adventure to go through. And then I was like, okay, this is really interesting, so I'm going to fill this part out here. Sure. And then, uh, okay, this – oh, shoot, that I need to do this little part here. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, uh, and then I'll go up to the top, and I'll do a little bit of the beginning part because I need to make sure that I talk about that a little bit more. And then I come back down to the bottom. E- eventually, I I now have an outline that is about 10 levels deep and 50 pages long <laughs> um, mm. that I, I think one day will just sort of – Turn into a book uh, because it's so long, and I'll just unnest all of the things and put in proper headlines, and then it'll just be like, ta da, a book.
2: Here it is.
0: That leads me to wonder would it not be better to just put that into a wiki? And write in a in a wiki format, yeah. and instead of compiling it in the order that you think that it should happen, especially in campaign settings and world settings, right? You put that into a decoupled yeah. format that allows someone to explore it in the way that they they need to through tooltips and interlinking between articles and things like that. I
2: mean, there are a lot of tools that do this. The thing I struggle with with digital tools is I. I love how accessible they are, but my brain still wants linear content sometimes, right? Like, it's easier for me to say, I'm going to read the Waterdeep book from beginning to end, rather than boot around, and I will digest it in the order it was meant for me to digest it. Even though I know it's an adventure, it's a setting, it's this, it's that, I'm still weirdly not as engaged with some wikis, unless they have a tight top level structure and navigation, right? Like if it's too loosey-goosey and the links just kind of grow organically, I'm like, I don't know what's important in your wiki, right? Like par- part of what linearity and chapter headings and all that, all the tools of this old book technology, mm. what they bring you is Interesting. how do you organize thought to direct the readers or, or players attention to the important stuff first and then direct attention to other stuff and then maybe a sidebar that you could skip
1: those are those are really great points i just thought of another one was it also gives every bit of the content the same amount of time yeah so nobody's front and center well maybe front but uh the order's there regardless if that is the order of the adventure. But I read chapter one if it's 15 pages, then I read chapter two if it's 15 pages. It takes me the same amount of time to read each of the chapters. If I'm searching for it on a website, I may hit more of chapter one when I'm looking up, say, skeletons than I would chapter two if I was looking up skeletons. So I think the technology has a way of serving us what we think we need instead of maybe what we really need. That's interesting.
0: I, I was actually going to make a very similar point, but go a very different direction. And I was going to say, um, Wolf King, you, you had said hierarchy within a book, linearity within a book provides a, a level of importance. But is importance a static thing? Yeah. Does importance become relative to the point at which that you need it to be? For example, I'm running this campaign and Feyrune might be important. And all of the different parts of Faerun might be important, but I'm not playing on any of those other parts. I'm playing on this specific area of it. So... A book about all of Fane Rune sure. provides me information, maybe in the form of a couple of paragraphs around Sword Coast. Yeah. That is everything else becomes unimportant. So it should
2: elevate that. The one
0: thing that technology can do. Yes. Is allow you to determine what might be important to you and to dig into the parts that might be important to you at that time. Oh yeah. Whereas a book dictates importance to you in a linear
2: fashion. It Right. And, and, Books have methods of dealing with this, and and online tools have methods of dealing with this. And I, search and filtration are are incredibly powerful. And the primitive paper versions of that exist, right? They're they're called something like an index, right? Where you go and you try to find that. But what I love about online tools is if if constructed properly, right? Like a setting or an adventure can have a top level hierarchy that says here are the things. think you're most interested in and guide you toward oh i'm trying to absorb this adventure because i want to run it this friday but if you want to skip ahead and read about the big bad villain at the end there's that option there's a how to start the adventure hook option right like all those high level elements can exist in a reading experience that is is curated at the content level but you're not even flipping pages to the next chapter. You're just clicking into, oh yeah, that's the thing I want to read about.
0: Uh, let, let, let me ask you this question, um, sort of a, a simple, straightforward question. When you wrote Horde of the Dragon Queen, did you include the line, mm-hmm. make sure to read this
2: entire book before running the adventure? No, I don't. <laughs> I know there are people who believe in doing that, but you can literally read the first chapter and run it without reading the end, right? Well, and that's
0: that's what um, that's what my thinking is. Is what if uh, we were we were actually having this thought the other day? Um, so I, I've been talking about how a wiki can present digital content for around around a campaign setting in a really great way. Yeah. Uh, because it can allow you to kind of determine your own path of of what's important. In a in a an adventure, an adventure actually does have some linearity to it. Yes. Right. You do you do go to chapter one first, then chapter two, then chapter three. Yes. It is linear. But mm-hmm. what if you could explore a book in real time with your players, right? You are a DM and you can explore that book in real time with your players. A, a really good friend of mine named Danny had this idea. I, I want to just buy a book and, and then just be surprised as my pay, players are surprised. Yeah, and and you can do that with a book to a degree. Sure, but if the map is already there, ready for you, right? You just click on the next thing, and the map's there. Just put some tokens on it. You open up the fog of war, and you literally find out what's in that room. You you click on a a word or a, a little icon, and it reads the text for you. You enter that room, and it starts playing the music for you. Yeah, all of that being the content around an adventure. Oh, I love that. I, I love it. You you buy the book, you get all of those things out of the box mm-hmm. so that that way you can experience that content with, with your players.
2: I think that it sounds like a, a amazing experience. And I think we see this with audio, with maps, with Fog of War, Line of Sight, all of those things enriching an experience. But the thing that's really interesting to me about adventures versus sort of campaign wiki content is at some point, your attention as a consumer in an adventure is going along a path you're consuming it in a sequence, and the creator of that content, however wonderful the digital tools are, is telling you this is level one, go through this first or the pick a path model or or whatever but you're you're getting a curated guided ex play experience and that's wonderful where Campaign setting wikis for me fall apart is when they're not referenced, when I'm just browsing. Like, well, who's telling me what's important about the Midgard setting, right? Like, how do I know which part of the wiki is most important? If I'm interested in the Dragon Empire, I can go check that out. But is that really where the action is? Are there adventures that support that? Maybe. I I struggle with the large bodies of content when I don't have Mm guideposts and the better the guideposts are, the more I love the online tool, right? Like the more people hold my hand and the adventure is the case where they really hold my hand through the content, the more I'm like, Oh, I'm looking at the part that's most interesting. And I trust that there will be another interesting part after this. And when I go through a wiki, I'm like, I'm reading about the red wizards and they're okay, but I don't know. Is there something else? (laughs) Right? Like it's not doing it for me. I'm tired of wizards. Give me, and I have to guess. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it becomes something like a youtube deep dive you just start going and you're like i can't stop clicking content right next thing you know you're talking about the netheries and they haven't been around for eons so it's like right it's like how did i wind up here yeah. you always end up with the Netherese. <laughs> <laughs> that is always the answer yes
2: <laughs> it's hard to uh, those guided and curated experiences online are great I've had some, even there's a restaurant locally, Cafe Nordo, that does gameplay experiences that combine food, Mm. props, and an online video installation. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if it's a game or dinner theater, but I'm enjoying it because I have to solve some puzzles and I get to eat a snack. And and it's always like a haunted mansion or, oh, I'm sorry, this ghost has possessed all the staff here at the restaurant. You're going to need to fix that for us right it's something or a haunted hotel
0: that's amazing
2: it's great and it's somewhere between an online play experience and an in-person play experience with food and i'm like i love the experience it's highly structured but it's not linear you can loop back and screw up right so (laughs) there's a lot of great creative fusions of i mean the people behind cafe nordo have to be tabletop or or larpers like, if they don't have that background, I'll eat my hat. <laughs> but but they're bringing it to a... They're infusing it into the restaurant industry of all places. And I think that's fascinating, right?
1: Anything to do with food. I mean, um, sign me up. Food and RPGs, that's brilliant.
2: Must be. I know.
1: It, it, we can do
2: better than pizza and chips. We, we could if we wanted.
1: One of the things that Andrew keeps referring to is this wiki. Uh, there's one thing that I remember seeing in... Particularly, it's, it's in a Wizards of the Coast book. It was Storm King's Thunder, and they had a flow chart. Yes. And I loved that flow chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish that I could just click that flow chart, and it would take me to that place.
2: Mm hmm. Yes.
1: Because I remember being a child and my mom had one of those medical books where it's like, I'm sick. Okay, what do I have? I have a stuffy nose. And then you follow the thing. And it was just a brilliant way to find out what you need to find out. And I think sometimes our uh, tool sets don't really do a good job of helping us.
2: Well, it depends on who you are, right? Everybody thinks about the intro use case of, I've never played a tabletop RPG and my friends have invited me to make a character and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Right? Like people think about how do I do character generation? There's not the quite the same level of my friends told me I'm gonna be the game master next session because our regular game master (laughs) left town or or you know is dropped out for reasons. And so now what do I do? Right? Like I can buy a supplement, but it doesn't scale to beginnerness unless the content creators made it as an intro book to begin with. I would love for there to be the hours in the day to turn, you know, to, to have a slider on tabletop content that says, give it to me easy or, hey, I've, I've been around or, oh my God, I, I played with, you know, Gygax and Arnis and don't hold my hand. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, just give me the, give me the stats and a map and I'm good. <laughs> I, I don't know if that sort of slider exists of like how, can you, as the user of a tabletop tool, say, modify the interface to fit your level of expertise, right? Can you, can you say, I want these filters and not those, or please stop giving me tool tips for what ability scores are, I know, right? Maybe at some point, but it's a lot of work on, the, uh, on some level to put a hierarchy of who are you, and then that changes over time. (laughs) The beginner players turn into medium players, turn into, I've been around, please stop trying to help.
0: Well, and even in the, you're right, spending time in the character creation process, uh, there's a lot of effort into that to optimize it. Yes. But even in there, there, there's still a reality where serving new and experienced players require two different experiences. Right. Yeah. you can walk a new user through something. You know, what kind of archetype do you want to play? Do you want to play the the the, the slender person that shoots an arrow, or do you want to play the muscle bound axe wielding whatever? Right, and and you can help them build their character that way. But you give someone that's experienced, and they're gonna be like, "Don't ask me all these questions. I know what I want to do. Right, just get me into the thing so I can just fill yeah. in my." my character like
2: give me a gallery of art because i'm not an artist right to do character portraits and let me zip through the first level of yeah mm -hmm. it's it's a very flexible space to be in but it's probably still better than trying to figure it out from you know here's a player's handbook good luck Mm. right because that's a large body that isn't there's a chapter called character generation but mm, if you don't have the core concepts uh, I don't know. And even as a, I mean, I, yeah, I struggle with this sort of thing. Um, certainly as a publisher mm-hmm. and content creator, you're always thinking about, well, who's my audience? Is this for newcomers? And if so, how do I do handholding <laughs> or yeah. support? Yeah. Uh, or is it for the old guard? And, you know, they don't know everything, but they know a lot. So let's, mm-hmm. let's respect the reader's intelligence or the game player's intelligence and just say, listen. If you don't know what this is, go look it up over here. It's on this site. On this wiki. On the, oh, see, the <laughs> wiki does come in. Well, before Wolfgang, before
0: you kick us out of your, your <laughs> workshop for being incredibly right that digital tools will win the day one day.
2: Will win the day in enough time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where uh, where might, if people want to, to join your cause, where might they voice their support? Where could they find you in in all these different places that, that are out there and available. Sure. All these digital places that are available.
1: <laughs> all these digital places, exactly. I was gonna say I thought he would give them their his physical address.
2: Yes. Well it's <laughs> P.O. Box 2811. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Write me a letter.
2: You laugh, but I do get letters at the P.O. box. Anyway, it's it's straight. That still happens. But no, really, online it's cobaltpress.com. You can also check us out on Facebook slash Cobalt Press or on Twitter at Cobalt Press. My personal account on Twitter is Monkey King. I don't tweet that much, but come say
0: hi. It's great that you got Monkey King. That's pretty, I mean, that that had to be
2: pretty early on. I had an offer to, it was 14 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And you know, we do we do a Patreon. There's all digital content at the it's called Warlock. Uh, it's fifth edition DD content.
0: Nice. And, Amazing. Uh
2: you know, we have a Twitch stream that's glorious, the Cobalt Press Twitch stream. If you are more into the actual play and a YouTube site. And so online platform after online platform, um, the kobolds are there because despite my Luddite ways here talking about print <laughs> and the history of the book. We have embraced technology every step when it makes games better. And I really think it does.
0: And I, I have a feeling that it's it's what has has led you to be one of the biggest in the industry.
2: Yeah. So. Well, thank you. Wizards is still bigger than kobolds, but just wait. Just wait. <laughs> 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 We've got pack tactics. Look out. <laughs> It's great talking to you guys. You've got a really great perspective on what's happening, what's changing, how these things are, are, are going on. And you've got great questions. And I'm not saying I got all the answers, but it's fun to talk about it.
1: Yeah, Wes, thank you so much, Wolfgang. Thank you a lot. Thank you Thanks, a lot. guys.
0: Special thanks to Gabriel Gonzalez from InspiredBar.com for providing our theme music and to Lee Smithson for the intro voiceover. For updates from the show, you can follow AC Searles on Twitter.